What's up, nerds, sports fans, friends, ghouls, girls, and gals? And we're back. I'm Nicholas on the Nerds Who Live podcast. So today, we're going to call, cover a couple of topics that were sent in. I had asked you, the people, the folks on the social medias, some topics that you would like to hear covered. Now, keep in mind, this isn't going to be long, and I'm actually going to cover two topics that were sent in because I actually want to tie them in together slightly. So, those two topics will be, as you have probably read in the description if you are reading this, how to overcome plateaus, and then would you date someone stronger than you? Now, that second one, which I guess say is not, I'm going to say is more shallow, but not because it's shallow, but because it's a bit more surface, as you could say, and it is a bit more pertaining to dudes. I want to cover that one first because I do want to tie it into the plateau one. Mostly just because it's fun. I feel like people want tea and juicy shit first anyway. So let's just do that. So my take on, as a man, would I date a girl with a stronger bench than me? I actually responded on my Instagram that my bench is poverty. It's not that hard to beat. And even if I actually had to, I wouldn't care. I don't give a fuck at all. I'd actually be pretty stoked to be like, damn, help me have a better bench. You know, like if you have a bigger bench than I do, like teach me. And um, that's not, you know, anyone who thinks it's emasculating is actually really dumb and obviously doesn't have a grasp of uh, what is masculine in the first place. So, no. And then someone responded to that saying, um, but what if, you know, your bench is in poverty and they're still stronger than you? The answer remains the same. Then super goddamn, that person's really strong. And I want to learn if we were actually dating, then like fucking free intimate coaching right there. Like make me strong like you, please. Obviously, if we were dating, they'd want me to be strong like them. So I feel like it's a win-win all around. You should be proud of your person. Uh, Whatever your romantic inner, you know, inner workings are with a significant other. Like if you're not proud of them and you're not okay with them being better at you than some shit. And them helping you get better at that stuff you're not good at, like, that's bullshit. That's super bullshit. Now, on that bullshit, if you're not willing to take advice and get better at stuff, this goes into plateaus. What about, like, how does one get over plateaus? So, um, I actually do feel that I have a pretty good grasp on plateaus because I am not naturally strong or talented when it comes to lifting. I am naturally kinesthetic because I am dyslexic, ADHD. As a whole, most people who are in that similar neurodivergent space are very proprioceptive, keen, and very kinesthetic based. So movement is a little easier to access as a form of information input and translation. So with all that, movement and I are a lot better friends than, say, words and even visuals, even though visualization helps, but I need to anchor that visual with a movement or a, a mechanical uh, mnemonic device. That's called mechanoreceptive uh, learning. 
So, that being said, plateaus. Now, I was once told that to improve on training, there are only a few things that you can really change or variables and factors that you could adjust that will be frequency, how often you train, intensity, literally the intensity of your training, and then the approach of your training, so the stimulus of your training. So those are the only three things that you can really do. Frequency, intensity, and stimuli. Um, and then obviously there can be a combination of all three or two or three, uh, or really a dive-in focus on just one of them. And that is how you get over plateaus. Uh, for me, I've always been open, just like in you know the dating someone better, like I've always been open to learning something that can potentially help me get better. Uh, one gift that I do have as a ADHD neurodivergent mind is uh, I can see what they call uh, distant connections. So most autistic people, most uh, dyslexic people, ADHD people can make connections between principles and idea that may not on the surface have a similarity that you can directly connect, but they find a way to connect those things. Hence, one of the greatest examples is Albert Einstein and him finding the connection of E equals MC squared. And um, uh, another one is uh, another scientist whose name escapes me, but he's the one who made the 3D expandable like model um, of a you know of an atom and a molecule that we use in like science classes and shit. Um, he, he was able to find a you know make those distant connections. Uh, Sir Isaac Newton was a dyslexic. So yeah, these are people who oh Nikola Nikolai Tesla, all people who were dyslexic. Um, or had some sort of type of neurodivergence and were able to make distant connections. So with distant connections, I have always been good at seeing, oh, if I can get good at this thing, you know, it may not look like it directly relates to this other thing I'm working on. I can learn something from that and apply it. So it's a principle base. And I've always been that way with lifting. I've always been, I'm willing to try anything to get better. Even if that thing doesn't innately or at first help me get better right away, at least I then have the experience and the reference point. The greater reference points you have, just like anything, if you know anything about math or anything, like the more reference points you have in the statistics, the greater your, your data and more accurate it is. So I've done everything. I've done close grip bench. I've done wide grip bench. You know, flat, heels up, head up, head down, big arch, middle arch, no arch. Um, uh, for squats, I've done wide squats. I've done close squats, sleeves, wraps, um, you know, a grip really wide, a grip really close, thumbless, talon grip like I do now. Uh, deadlift, I've done conventional. I've done sumo. I've done mixed grip. I've done hook grip. And I've spent time doing them all. My third meet which was my second meet in sleeves um, and also was my first and only meet in conventional because my coach wanted me to do another sleeve meet to build on my squat. And he's like, I want to do a whole conventional um, block and peaking into, you know, into a meet to really drive that conventional because I do feel like it'll transfer over to your sumo in the long run and make it better. 
because like just really hammering in, focusing that in um, on the technical aspects and just the raw strength that conventional carries over into sumo will be really beneficial. So it was a long game and I did that, um, you know, and it was tough, but it did exactly that. It paid off. On that meet, I went for 491, which was a PR at the time. I got it. It was a fight, too. It was a struggle. And maybe I will even post it as like a accompanying video slide to when I post this on the social medias for this episode. Um, trouble for the floor break. Finally started to come up. It paused like halfway in the shin. It basically looks like a pause deadlift. And I grinded it out with very little form breakdown. It actually looked pretty good. But right at the top, because it was taking so long of a pull, that shit fucking popped right out of my hands. And it sucked. But then the very next week, when I was on fun time, and I switched back to sumo for funsies, and I had not pulled sumo in like six to seven months, pulled 501 for the very first time. Sumo. Um, first time breaking 500, literally a week after, and not pulling sumo in fucking months. So... A very good example. Um, you know, and another one is, is bench. I move my bench grip in. I have long arms. So, so the, you know, the common thing is like, oh, we'll decrease your range of motion and go wide. But it wasn't serving me. I didn't have enough pop off the chest. So I brought it in. And then I built up that extra range of motion in my long arms to have more muscle mass, to have more pop off the chest, to have more momentum, to obviously use my legs and uh, learn how to do that. So then that ended up helping my bench finally improve, even though it is slow. Um, and then deadlift. Even when I went back to sumo, I still had a lot to work on. Like I've done short stance sumo, extra wide sumo, medium stance. And I've honestly had to oscillate between all those because sometimes, depending on what my body is doing, my weight, um, just how the leverages are sitting, sometimes close stance moves better than white stance and white stance moves better and close. Uh, currently, my wider stance is moving better than my close stance. So that's what we're fucking doing. So when I go to the gym tonight, actually pull tonight, that's what it's going to be. And there's just this weird, um, you know, people, they're afraid to suck more or they don't want to suck again. Maybe they've made progress and they don't want to go backwards. Um, so like you mentioned, like, hey, bring in your bench a few fingers or come in a little closer. Do and do that for a while. Like, no. No, no, that won't work for me. Like, it's hard. But yeah, but it could make you better. Like, three steps back, maybe potentially get you five to seven steps forward. Like, that's huge. It's a huge progress if you actually look at it in that big picture sense. So when it comes to plateaus and breaking them, what's a big one is changing your approach. So this would fall under the approach category of, like, change your technique. Like, do do a full, you know... Um, few blocks um and usually i feel like a minimum to really get uh benefit of something is is uh three blocks so three months three months 90 days i feel a, like a full run where you can really you know dial in something you know in its most minimum because three months is usually what it takes for like um prep for a meeting and peaking so you know, pick some you suck at. If you have a coach, you're coaching yourself. I'd be like, hey, um, I'm a wide grip bencher with feet up. Let's do three months where I work on a medium grip bench with with flat feet or partially flat, 
and let's switch to conventional instead of sumo or vice versa. And let's fucking build that and see where we're at in three months because it's off season. You know, it's going to be volume anyway. So it's not like you're going max, but maybe see what that does for your musculature. And obviously the intensity will be greater because it's going to be a greater demand on your, um, you know, kinesthetic neuro, uh, you know, synapses and those, um, you know, those uh, neuro maps um, that your spine is used to. So that's approaching a plateau from an angle. Now the other two, frequency and intensity, well, just that frequency, you can add extra days if you need more intensity or perhaps you need to take away. Uh, one time I did hit a plateau, I was doing five days a week and I got to a point where that wasn't working for a good few months, about almost three months. Like it was just, nothing was improving. I realized I was kind of overtraining to a bit where it's just like I wasn't recovering to the point where I was able to make that. So I actually changed my frequency to three times a week. So I had more recovery, but I made those three times a week more intense a little bit. So I, you know, a little bit more intense in terms of I covered more um, in those sessions. And, you know, they were higher intensity, like a little bit more weight wise, where you know, I built into that. But then I had my recovery during the week, so I was able to handle that load. And honestly, that got me a lot of progress for a good, probably four, four, somewhere between four and six months before I went back to doing between four and five days a week. So it was a really good break to have to allow my recovery to kind of come back, but then reapproach my training sessions because by the then, those three sessions, I was always itching to train and I really wanted to hit it. So I was able to go a little bit harder of intensity for three times a week, but yet I have more recovery to be able to do that. And then now, again, intensity. So that other aspect where you can increase intensity, like a lot of times that comes down to actual, maybe you need to train harder or maybe like your overall percentages that you're basing on are maybe old. Maybe you've adapted to them. Maybe you need to change the uh, load and rep scheme that you're doing. Maybe you need to change the variations. Because honestly, you could have the same, you know, three by 10 high bar, but then you go three by 10 on SSB and that intensity is way fucking different. Even if it's the same weight, because it's a different stimulus. So those are your really the three approaches. And again, you can have combinations of these things that you can take. Um, I really like with my coach that I always kind of, I do feel that I get an oscillation of all three of these things um, every year, every block is changing. Usually off season, like what I'm at now, bring the SSB bar back, some camber bar, more volume, and we slow, you know, we add in other uh, variations of bands, blocks, chains. You know, it's another thing. That's why conjugate method is very popular is that they have an oscillation of intensity. Um, their frequency pretty much stays the same of, uh, you know, dynamic effort, max effort between upper and lower body. That's usually, that's that's all of it. That's conjugate and then they oscillate again through variations. So that stimulus is different and they're constantly kind of changing that variance up and doing it that way. And with the max effort and dynamic effort, they going between conditioning to then again, max, max effort, so, you know, speed work and max effort work. So yeah, so then you have that, that's intensity and then variation is approach, you know, so that's really not too much frequency for them because they stay with those, that split 
But I do know some kanji of people who had like a fifth like accessory day and whatnot. So that's the thing is more isn't always better. Sometimes taking away is what you need to do. And then maybe get depth of something, like really dial in something for a longer period of time. You know, it's the same thing with gear. More isn't better. So that's it. It's like always be willing to try. Play the long game. Get good at everything. It's great to have a really good competition bench, but like if your close grip sucks, you maybe need to work on that. I mean, that's common knowledge. People say it all the time. Like work on that. Like work on what you suck at. Become a well-rounded lifter, athlete, whatever. And it's true. You know, and some people take breaks from their chosen sport altogether. So people go and like train strongman for a while. I know a lot of strongmen, uh, like my buddy Marshall, powerlifting is his off-season. Like competitive powerlifting is his off-season in between like, you know, um, his strongman competitions because it's more focused, you know, it's lifting, but he still competes. And then when it's time to go back to strongman, he picks, you know, something out and then, you know, he starts working on those events for that strongman competition. Then off-season, he he does powerlifting and he fucking has a couple uh, masters, I think state records in squat, you know, during his quote unquote off season. Um, I know some people like to do ollie lifting, um, vice versa. So again, and that right there would be approach. That actually would be approach uh, intensity because it's a different modality. And then frequency because probably the type of programming is different. So there you go. So plateaus really are just about changing the situation your intent, your approach, your frequency, intensity, and it's always going to get better. Even if that means sucking for a little bit, enjoy that process. Like it's okay to take a step back. It's only going to make you better. You're only going to get strong again. You're not actually weaker when you do something else new. It's just new. So therefore it's an adjustment and that adjustment just takes some time and that's okay. So think of that big picture that holistic mind frame and don't be afraid to ask questions because it's only going to make you look better, perform better, execute better. I mean, look better in terms of just like your career or your lifting, you know, style, but yeah, maybe aesthetically too, because again, different stimulus and it'll be good for your mind. It'll be good for your mind to take a break and you're not doing the same shit over and over and over again. So, all right, so that's the two stuff. Thank you for those who actually uh, recommended. So Mary, who recommended the plateaus, and then our friend, uh, Miss Camille, the chiropractor, who, who recommended the, would you date someone with a stronger bench than you? So y'all great. Thank you guys for tuning in. Catch you on the next episode of the Nerd to Lift podcast. <laughs>